Welcome, beautiful people, to the Street View Podcast, a show about helping one another navigate from an aerial view to looking at life at the Street View perspective. I am your host, Ariel Everett, and no matter where you were at in your life, it is never too late to learn and support one another. And that is what this show is all about. So whether you're sitting at home right now, listening through your AirPods or your Beats, or you're sitting in your car and you're listening through your stereo, turn me up, yo, because mama said there'd be views like this. Hey guys, it's Ariel coming to you guys with, wow, episode one of The Street View. It's a podcast hosted by me, Ariel, uh, from anarielview.com, which is a blog and a portfolio of sorts of everything that is great. If you haven't gone to it, you should. Um, yeah, so episode one, this is crazy. I didn't really expect for it to come this soon, didn't really expect for it to come this late, kind of in that state where you're just like, what the hell, yo, like, should have done this sooner, definitely could hold off a little bit longer, but, you know, there's no time like the present, so we try, and we try to make time for it, and, you know, give the people what they want, or just do what you want to do, because life these days is not about giving people what they want, it's about doing what's good for you, and your peace of mind. So, yeah. Um, this episode actually was inspired by a post that I saw uh, last week on Instagram. And I was really just disgusted, y'all. Like, I cannot even. Um, and I've been having several conversations with with different friends about, about the incident, the said incident on Instagram. Um, but yeah, so this week, you know, I just want to touch on motherhood, y'all motherhood in black lives matter, motherhood, being a black mom and, and raising black children, being a white mother and raising black children, being a, a mother that is not black and raising black children or white children, or just being a mom in general during a freaking pandemic y'all. So yeah. Um, how are we doing? Are we successfully living during this point. I mean, uh, I know that wine is now officially a part of my food group event. You know, in the past I was like, Oh, Moscato (laughs) and college was like, this is definitely a part of one of my food groups. Now that I am an adult and you know, things like weight gain and such happen. Wine is officially a part of my food group. So, Um, I'll definitely say that this whole homeschooling and pandemic thing was an eye opener. Um, if you didn't experience it, cool. If you did get to experience it, I would love to hear your thoughts on it. So definitely, you know, leave comments, um, and let me know how you felt. Um, if you follow me on any social media, you definitely saw that we had plenty of just dance parties where we hosted it on, uh, on YouTube, actually, we actually just YouTubed Just Dance videos um, and did a lot of that to keep ourselves going. We even did kid yoga. Um, of course, that's courtesy of the school that my daughter actually attended. Um, that was one of the things that that was an activity that they did in school. So in turn, it was an activity that we did at home. 
um, which was nice, you know, and, and it was nice too to wake up early every morning and get our classes finished early. And, you know, we, we would most of the time be done by about one. Um, she really enjoyed the zoom calls with her teacher. Um, for those of you that don't know, Miss Ollie was in kindergarten this year. So for her, you know, being able to see her friends on the computer was like a big moment. And she definitely understood we cannot go outside right now because of the coronavirus, as she always says it. Um, so she understood that concept, but it was still, you know, a, a big moment for her to be able to see friends and talk to them about their Nintendo switches, about their cats. Their cats are having babies, showcase her plants because she did grow some tomatoes and cucumbers during this time. So that was fun. Um, it was definitely an, an, an interesting experience, I'll have to say. Um, you know, at first, uh, we had actually, uh, down here in Florida, we had gone on spring break. And then when we came back, we just never went back. And for a little bit there, we were like, oh, we're definitely going to be going back to school before the end of the year. And then we just didn't. So, you know, and, and as I'm sure everyone all over the world really had to figure out how to cope, um, how to do work uh, for yourself, for your employment, and then how to, you know, do work with your kids and keep them entertained and active. Um, so, yeah, how are we doing? So when I say, is wine a part of your food group? Not because... Our, our kids get on our nerves. I feel like a lot of people are like, you know, how can you say you drink wine? You know, your kids make you drink. Well, listen, I was drinking wine prior to this pandemic, but I think that mostly it's just kind of like an unwinding. Some people choose to drink, drink tea. Some people choose to binge watch TV shows. Um, for me, I would have a glass of wine and I would binge as much TV as I possibly could, which was not very much because I was just tired, you know? Um, so yeah. Uh, and then, you know, once things started opening back up, how do you guys feel about your kids going to summer school at this stage? I know that a lot of people are like, don't be fooled. They're opening things back up, but make no mistake. You know, coronavirus is still alive and well, but what do you do when, when you have to go back into work? You know, are, are people out here risking, not having jobs, you know, just because they're like, hey, I am not a part of the coronavirus. I do not believe in that. I do not want to be a part of that. This is a coronavirus free zone. I am not going back to work. You will not catch me there. Are we losing our jobs for coronavirus at this point? Question mark. Um, are, are we saying that? Do we even have the luxury of that? I know some people that did not have the luxury of that at all. Um, and when summer camps opened, they sent their kids or if childcare was available still, whether it was in home or, you know, maybe family members, babysitters, were you sending your kids to those people? So that way you can get work done. Uh, I imagine that it was very hard even to work from home and have your kids there as well. You know, meetings don't stop. Buildings don't stop getting built. Um, bills still have to get paid. Utilities aren't being turned off, but you still got to pay them. So, you know, are were, were we 
were we doing that? That 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 is the question. Were we were we giving up our jobs for you know, coronavirus in our children. Um, I know that for me, I really could not give up that, that at all. That wasn't an option for me. Um, not at all. So I would love to know kind of what, what other people kind of felt about it. And, you know, I, I, it wasn't an option for me to give up my job. However, I will say that I, um, was contracting prior to COVID. And my contract ended right at the beginning of February. So I was I was okay with the changes. Um, I didn't really experience the effects, I would say, of COVID and employment until I really started applying for jobs come like end of February into March. And I realized that the chances of me getting something were going to be pretty slim during this entire thing. And I think that's when I, you know, hit the brakes and was like, yo, what am I going to do? I had arranged for her to go and basically be with him, which I was expecting, hey, the second that, you know, she is with him, Um, it'll definitely be a lot easier to find a job because then I really can accept anything and everything. And then even then, it was like the places that were reopening, they were obviously going to be hiring on the people that they had before. And then the places that, you know, still aren't open, you know, they're not open. So um, now things are slowly starting to open back up within Florida. I'm sure that there are tons of people that are applying for even the same positions that I'm applying for. Um, So it's been an interesting experience. I will say, though, that something about being able to work on your craft, work on things that make you happy, you know, constantly cleaning or waking up and just taking that time to yourself has been a beautiful, welcomed experience. I think that when I was in college um, and even right around the time that I had had my daughter prior to and then when I had her, the time that I had during those summer breaks or um, the weekends, like I, I just took, I feel like a lot of that for granted, especially summer breaks, because when you're in school, you're not working. And if you are working, you know, it's not like the nine to five every day. And I took a lot of those weekday experiences, I feel like, for granted. Um, And now in my motherhood, I am loving being able to wake up and take care of myself. I'm loving being able to, you know, go to sleep and, and take care of myself and have a nightly routine and not be so tired that I just pass out because I'm working a nine to five and trying to maintain, you know, weight loss or trying to maintain dinner on the table and, and, and our sanity, you know, um, especially when you can't go outside, you can't go to stores. I mean, I found myself going to target just to be in target, you know, I, and then when you are a single mother and you have a kid and you're like, okay, I need to go grocery shopping. Like kids touch everything. 
no matter how many times you tell them that there's a coronavirus, your kids will touch everything. And that is just a thing. So, you know, I, I know I saw posts from people that were like, why would you ever take your kids to the store? Why would you ever do that? And it's like, yo, I needed to do this because we need groceries and I have no other options. So, you know, our kids are not in school. Um, so I think, I think that I did the best with what I had and I, and I don't, um, I don't encourage mothers out there during this pandemic to feel bad for things that they have to do, whether it is keep your kids at home and, and, and work and, you know, you have your kids there. I don't want mothers to think, you know, that they have to feel bad because they have to go to the grocery store with their kids or their kids are playing Just Dance YouTube free version or, you know, you guys are going to the park or you're planting plants that may die, you know, or or just it's okay to take a break. You know, if you have the opportunity available to you for your child to go from being with you to being with another parent or, you know, to being with, um, you know, an aunt or a godmother, it is okay to take that time. Not because we don't love our children, not because we want to drink a whole bottle of wine, but because it is okay to have a mental break and be sane because <laughs> you don't want to break down and cry in front of your children. You don't want to break down and have, you know, a reaction to the, the crying or to stepping on a Lego and then that boils over. So I think that's important, y'all. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, you know, in addition to, to being a mother, um, just being a parent in general, I think that we got a lot that we need to to really work on as a society when it comes to the the next generation our kids i think it's uh generation alpha for like what if you if your kid was born like 2013 um or or more recent i think that generation is called generation alpha but i would love to encourage all parents of all races to really work on teaching our children diversity. And that is a huge conversation that I am more than excited to at least touch on. Black Lives Matter is huge right now. Um, and, you know, I had a conversation recently with a family member about what did I feel about the Black Lives Matter movement um, and and where did I stand? And I think that was week one of the initial protest. And I myself had not um, been to a protest yet, but I had plans to. Um, I think that initial weekend, I um, did not attend any of the protests. I was following it. I do have, you know, family members that are in law enforcement positions, um, and and I have, you know, I, I am black, so, you know, that's definitely something that I wanted to be a part of, uh, and 
for a while, I'll say that I have tried to support the movement through donating, um, through educating myself and others in work environments. And I chose to take a step back from protesting because once I had my daughter, I was not sure if I was ready to protest um, with her, you know, and um, and to really make my voice heard out of fear of of backlash for her or backlash for me in the workplace and what that would do for for us being a single mother. Um, and 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 her father is, you know, super into her life and everything, but no one wants to lose a parent because y'all, we are dying. As uh, Cardi B said, we are dying. And and we are dying not from COVID now. Now we're dying because we can't even just exist in our skin. I mean, I mean, we couldn't even exist in our skin prior to this. Um but when I had that conversation with my family member, you know, uh, my cousin, I had told her that I, you know, I, I wasn't protesting yet. And I just kind of left it at that. And, and before, you know, I, things got were, were different countries were being a part of the protest and tons of different cities. I remember having the conversation with her and I told her that I was not surprised at the riots I was not surprised at the amount of people that were out there. Um, I wasn't surprised about the looting. And I, I don't condone it. I don't think that anyone that is protesting for the, you know, the justices of injustices of black people condoned the rioting and looting at all. But I do know that and this is going to be my opinion. I do know that it seems as though this world just isn't for us sometimes. Um, it's, it's hard to be a black person in America. It's hard to be a black person in the world. Um, there are so many things that as black people, we suppress and we don't have conversations about that when we finally do have conversations, when the protests finally do happen, it seems as though, you know, it, it all comes out of nowhere for people. You know, you have the naysayers, which are predominantly white people that feel like it comes out of nowhere. But when you have all of these people that are constantly being murdered or constantly having the police con called on them for no reason at all or or constantly being pulled over because they fit a certain profile we are tired and there's there's not much there's not much more that we can take we've hit that threshold um and so i kind of wanted to dive into uh being a mother and being a part of the Black Lives Matter movement um, and, and how I have personally handled teaching my daughter diversity, how my daughter's father and I have handled teaching our daughter diversity. I don't think that teaching your children diversity comes from blatantly hitting it over the head with them and saying, 
everyone is equal, get over it, nothing like that. It it comes from learning. It is a it, it's something that they have to learn and they learn through you. The same way that prejudice and and racism is a learned or conditioned be- behavior of what that child sees, it is the same for diversity in what black children see, right? And so um, the question in post, it was a, a, uh, a post that I had made on my Instagram. Um, and, and actually my sister had sent me a video of a YouTuber, um, believe the young lady is a YouTuber influencer that maybe, you know, she, she follows. And I just, I just couldn't, I, I, you know, I think that for me, that was almost like the last straw for me. Um, so what essentially happened is that this specific YouTuber had posted a video um, on her timeline about how she was excited that her daughter's baby doll had come in the mail. Uh, and the thing about that was that she specifically posted the baby doll who, which was a black baby doll. And she also posted her baby who I'm going to assume is not even one years old. I didn't do the research on this said YouTuber. I do know that she has like 2 million followers on Instagram, 3 million on YouTube. And she chose during the you know, the highest point of our Blackout Tuesday, Black Lives Matter, to post this video on her story, um, where her baby basically picked up the baby doll, threw it on the ground, and continued crawling. Um, and then the following day, she posted another video of her her daughter with the baby doll again. Um, and that's where this, this episode really came from, for me, I ended up sharing the video that was sent to me and I did tag the young woman in it. Um, and, and I shared it on my story because I, you know, offered to her that it is not, that's not the way that we teach our children diversity. It is, but it isn't. Does my daughter have baby dolls and Barbie dolls of all ethnicity and cultural background and race? Yes. Do I showcase that on my social media? No. By us posting or by her posting that video, to me, it was almost equivalent to saying, look at me and my back, my black baby. Look at me and my black friend. I'm not racist. I have black friends. I'm not racist. I bought my child a black baby doll. Um... And then even, you know, on the Blackout Tuesday specifically, she did make a Black Lives Matter post. However, it was very aesthetically pleasing to what her page content was. So for me, that let me know that you probably were only posting because it's what everyone else was posting. And two, you couldn't break away from that aesthetic for one day, even even just one day to just really show that Black Lives Matter. I think her post ended up being like a grayish, bluish, kind of purpley black rather than just full on black, you know? Um, 
and and I and I I don't follow the YouTuber, but I think for me that was just kind of and and with that week I had been asked by a couple people how they should approach the conversation with their kids, um, whether their kids were biracial, white, or black. And that is not the way. Our children learn from us. Is do I would I have taken my daughter to a protest? No, out of fear that she would one be hurt and two, I didn't really want to put her in that environment because like I said, we do have um we have law officials that are in our family and I don't want her to fear someone that was supposed to be put here to protect us. Um I I don't want her to have that fear. I want not not in that way. Not in that way. Um I did have a, a person that reached out to me about, you know, her child and how to approach that because he's biracial. And, you know, I offered to to be, you know, on the phone maybe when she did that. Um, but I did tell her that, you know, it is a learned behavior. She had already kind of had the conversation with her son and he did find out about it from friends and had heard about it. Um, I think that, you know, he might have been a little bit older than what Ali is, uh, I think by like two years school wise. Um, but, you know, as I told her, it's a good thing that you are aware of the situation and that you're able to educate him. However, do I think that we should show our kids the George Floyds and the Trayvon Martins and the Mike Browns and, and all of these videos and the news about it? I don't know. I, I go back and forth. I, I would not have shown that to Ollie um, because I don't want her to have that trauma because showing our kids that is a lot of trauma for their little their little minds to understand and comprehend. And and, you know, we want them to be aware. However, I feel like there's different ways that we can explain it to them. Miss um, Ollie was not as fortunate in her kindergarten year as the same for me, actually, in my kindergarten year. We both had very similar experiences at the same age um, where we were told by people that were our friends that they didn't want to play with us because, you know, for my daughter, it was that her brown skin was ugly. And for me, it was that I was an embarrassment to be on the playground with. So... You know, we have we have black kids that are learning about this, y'all, as early as five years old. And thankfully, because of, you know, me and Aliana and me showing her diversity in our everyday life and our church in the company that I keep around us, she was able to approach that situation and tell the young girl that everybody is created equal. Everybody loves everybody. And it's not nice of you to say that. I think that we need to have conversations with our children, but having those conversations with our children does not mean that we need to showcase that we have those conversations with our children. It does not mean that we need to create a YouTube video recording ourselves, pointing at pictures and asking our children what do you see just I, I feel like that's just like a clout thing like you're just trying to jump on the train don't do it now 
just because everyone else is doing it and then showcase it. Do it because you want to and not have to show it at all. You know what I'm saying? I just, that's kind of, it's, yeah, yeah. And I know that it is painful to us, um, but it is definitely something that we need to have conversations with our children. Little black girls, I think that they have to deal with a little bit different of learning about the color of their skin than little black boys. I feel like our little black boys, we fear more for them getting shot or arrested or profiled because they are just black men. And and black men have this, this terrible, you know, stereotype that they are aggressive or, you know, to fear the black man. That is, that is the image. That's the imagery that's been in the narrative that has been programmed into, you know, minds over generation, over generation, over generation. Um, and then for little black girls, they experience beauty as it relates to being black. And I love seeing, you know, all of the different things about how to encourage our children that, being black is beautiful. However, because of the the way that we are in the society that we live in, our kids do have to see what I feel like, you know, we, we have to kind of assimilate and we have to make ourselves fit into the mold of white culture, you know? And, and so like, for example, for my daughter, it was fine when she was younger. We got her whatever doll that she, you know, like if it was white, if it was black, if it was Asian, if it was Hispanic, Latina, it did not matter. But when she got older, it became that she no longer wanted the black doll. She only wanted the white doll and that was okay with us. But then we noticed a trend that it was like every doll had to be this. And we'd be like, well, why don't you want this one? Well, because that one has, that one's brown and I don't like the brown and I like this one because it's prettier because she has straight hair and I can't braid this hair. I can only braid this hair or I can't put this one in a ponytail and it doesn't hang low, you know, and she, and not being able to truly form the words that she wanted to say, but just being a part of that experience was heartbreaking. Um, hearing her have those feelings towards herself essentially was heartbreaking for me because, you know, she is beautiful. And it, you know, then it became a cycle of her not, not loving her hair. You know, my daughter has 4C texture hair and it was like, I don't want my hair to look like this. I want my hair to look like Rapunzel. I want my hair to look like, you know, Ladybug and Cat, you know, Ladybug from Ladybug and Cat Noir. I want my hair to look like this person. And I noticed a trend of always wanting her hair to not be curly, to not be coarse. And like, we don't, I've never used the word nappy for her hair. It was always like, Ollie, you have a kinky, cute fro, you know, trying to just encourage her. But it wasn't until Black Panther came out that she was like, okay, mom, I want a mohawk and I want my mohawk to have puffs and I want it to have some braids. But prior to that, it was very, um, we, we couldn't get her 
to to just love the skin that she was in. I tried to do a couple afros, you know, for her and just let her her black girl magic shine and 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 her charisma and her spontaneity just just be out. And she just wanted no part of that because that wasn't what she saw. Um and and it's and that's definitely an eye opener for me. That was an eye opener because we would try to find TV shows where we could have girls that look like her, but realistically, you don't really see too much of that until your child is a bit older, you know. And 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 then even then, it's far few in between. Um, so for Ollie, that that was hard, and I noticed that with you know, quite a few black, we, we have some black girls that don't experience that, but we do have black girls that, that do experience that. Um, and that was really, really hard for me. And then, like I said, on the other, on the other spectrum of that, we have our, our, our black boys and no matter, first of all, no matter if our black children are light, fair complected, or if they're the darkest of berries, you know, they are black. They will be black. They will be seen as black. Maybe not as much now as when they're younger, but in society, they will be. And our black men, no matter if they are fair skinned and no matter if they are dark skinned, they will be seen as black and, and as a threat or as aggressive. And that's hard, you know, because psychologically, we have conditioned ourselves to move through society like that to to function in that type of of chaos to be okay with living in a society like that you know um code switching is a thing um and that's hard that's really really hard so this movement is something that has to continue on and we have to continue to teach our children how to function you know with with everything that's going on how to learn diversity there isn't a 100% right way to go about things based on your child and and their learning style and how they learn and how they cope but there's definitely wrong ways to do it. I think that we can all agree that there's definitely wrong ways to do it. Um, but I think more than ever, now is a good time for us to really start to um, uh, be be mindful and aware of our children and their lives and what they're going through, you know, um, cause this affects them too, from the pandemic to the movement to mothers and fathers going out on the streets to protest the movement to us taking our kids to the protest. I mean, I've seen so many children in protest, um, in protest pictures and, and, you know, like I said, that's not something that, that I could see myself doing. But I don't think that it is. There's no, there's, there's no, 
there's no right way. Um, as I said, you know, there's no right way. There's only things that we know can affect and cause trauma. And that's what we don't want to do. We don't want to continue to put trauma on generation after generation after generation. We want to know that we can get better from here. And we can't do that by, by consistently putting trauma on our kids. Whether you're black, whether you're white, Hispanic, Asian. We, we just can't do that. Um, so yeah, uh, guys, this has been episode one. I thank you guys so much for joining me and for being here with me and rocking with me, you know, uh, as I said, this is the street view uh, brought to you by an aerial view. So it's a little bit more of the, the nitty gritty get to really dive into my mind. And yeah, man, what a world we live in. What we thought 2020 was going to be like versus what it is um, for real. So thank you guys so much for rocking with me for this long. Um, let me know on my Instagram. Send me a DM. Send me a shout out. Let me know if you're listening on Spotify or if you're listening on Apple Podcast. Um, I would love to hear from you guys and, and love to hear your feedback and what you thought and how you felt, um, for show. <laughs> uh, so thank y'all, um, head over to the blog that is an aerial view spelled a R Y I E L view.com and aerial view.com. Go over there, check out, uh, the blog. Maybe you guys will find something that inspires you. You can find me on all social media platforms. Y'all look for an aerial view and you will find me except for like black people meet that kind of stuff. So is that even a thing? I don't even know. But thank you.